Welcome back to the Sage Post 47 podcast. This is your host, Sierra Ty Brownlee, Pomona College Class of 2024. And today I'm joined by Casey Quinmugu Hobson, Pomona College Class of 2016 and current Indigenous and Governmental Affairs Strategist at First Alaskans Institute. Casey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. So let's hop right in. And if you could just tell us a little bit about your Pomona experience and maybe some of the activities you were involved with. Yeah. um, So I was involved in the Draper Center for Community Partnerships. Mm -hmm. I worked there, um, I want to say three years or so. It's been a little while, so I'm trying to wipe the dust off of some of my memories. Mm -hmm. But I I worked at the Draper Center for the majority of my time at FAI. Oh my gosh, sorry. For the majority of my time at Pomona, mm-hmm. I almost said my job. Um, and that was one of the best things um, about my time uh, at Pomona. I really enjoyed it. I um, helped serve as an alternate coordinator um, to San Diego. And then I also helped to coordinate the Native Initiatives program there. Mm-hmm. I would say that was one of the main things that I did. I was also part of the Quest Bridge um, group of students that later uh, changed its name to um, fly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have, yeah. First, first gen low income. I'll have to mm-hmm. double check the name, but um, it, it went by a different name when I was there. And that group was a really important community for me on campus as well. Okay. Very cool. And when you came into Pomona, did you have an idea of what you wanted to study I think I had a vague idea, but I really didn't decide what I wanted to study until um, I had taken some classes and explored and explored. I knew, for example, that I was not going to be um, a pre-med student. I knew mm-hmm. that I wasn't going to be in engineering and um, in computers in computer science, for example. I had a pretty good sense that I was interested in the social sciences. Yeah. Um, but but in terms of what I what within that that was actually going to be, I didn't figure that out until I think at least my first two years at Pomona. Okay. And how did you go about kind of navigating that process and then deciding on your major? Um, it really was a process of, you know, talking with my friends, talking with my peers, sometimes talking to professors, seeing what I was interested in. I Mm -hmm. I kind of just tried to follow what was the most interesting to me and also thinking about where I could make the most impact on community issues that were important to me. So um, as I, I was um, at Pomona was sort of a time where I was really, my consciousness around a lot of issues was awakened. I mean, I think I knew that there were a lot of inequities in the world beforehand, especially as an Alaska Native Indigenous person um, Mm -hmm. and also as a South Asian person. Um, But I I feel like my time at Pomona is when a lot of um, my is where I grew that understanding um, from just a surface level to something that I felt was a lot more nuanced on the way in which my communities were being impacted by issues of racism and racial equity or racial inequity rather. Um, And so as I was learning more about those issues, I think I began 
really trying to be thoughtful about what I could study and what I could do in the world that would make a real difference. And so as I, you know, I started off exploring sociology, the sociology department, and I loved some of the classes. I took some politics classes and then I ended up settling on the public policy analysis degree Mm -hmm. because I felt like at the time that it married the ability for me to study the issues that were important to me with also some type of practical skill and skill that I could take away from my time at Pomona and use in the real world. So that was uh, how I ended up deciding to major in public policy analysis. Okay. And after making that decision and kind of still thinking about your goals or maybe the important issues you wanted to tackle, did you have a good idea of any possible career interests or career path that you wanted to pursue post-graduation? So I sort of did. I had I had the basics of a plan. And mm-hmm. then and then um where I went from there was just completely left open. So mm-hmm. uh, so after I graduated, I uh spent a summer in Berkeley. Uh, working at um, the Green Lining Institute, mm-hmm. um, which is this amazing nonprofit um, sort of run by people of color for people of color, addressing yeah. issues of um, policy equity across a range of areas. And um, so I spent the summer there and I, I lined that up ahead of time um, before I graduated. And so I knew that mm-hmm. I would have that as a jumping off point. Nice. Um, but then I purposely left Um, the rest of it kind of (laughs) uh, undecided because Mm -hmm. I, um, I really wanted to prioritize going to my dad's homeland, which is um, Pakistan. um, And I had never been there before. So Mm -hmm. I took the opportunity after I graduated to go there for about 10 weeks. So because I wanted to do that, I I knew that I didn't want to get to, to start a full-time job right after I graduated. Um, so, so, but at the same time, I didn't want to just have no plans or zero, zero plans at all after I graduated. Mm -hmm. So the summer policy, um, associateship, uh, was kind of the happy middle ground. And then after I did that, and after I came back from, um, Pakistan, I was, uh, so I'm from Alaska. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, um, I, so we, I was back in Alaska. I was uh, uh, dealing with the with the enormous time change. It was about a fourteen hour difference. Wow. Um, so I was just going to bed at eight in the morning, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is like ten p.m. at night over there. Yeah. Uh, and and I just I just took time to let myself reacclimate to life in the U.S. And mm-hmm. while I was doing that, I took the advice of a friend um, who said who, who I can't remember, you know, I can't remember when I got this advice, but it was imparted to me when I was at Pomona that, you know, when you're, if you're not sure what your next steps in your career are, you should look at the careers of people who are, um, who, who you're inspired by. Mm -hmm. So I just started really looking up organizations whose work I was interested in, or, you know, organizations that I already followed, that I was um, inspired by. And I just started clicking through all of the staff pages yeah, and reading all of their bios. And if they, if the bios had mentioned another interesting sounding organization, I looked mm-hmm. that up. 
Um, if they had done a fellowship, I looked that up. If they had gone yeah. to grad school, I looked it up. So I just kind of like researched everything that I could about people and organizations that were interesting to me. And I just started making a list of um, possible places where I would like to work. Yeah. And, um, and around that, that, and sometimes uh, what I found helpful was organizing the list based on, you know, what part of the country they were in the organization or um, what issue area they, they worked on. And so while I was doing this, I also um, asked a friend of mine or um, somebody I had met before at a, at a grad school program, preparation program. Mm -hmm. Uh, I invited them to grab lunch and um, just to talk about the work that they do. Yeah. So we met downtown and, you know, she told me about, uh, the organization that she worked at, which was First Alaskans Institute, which is okay. where I now work. Yeah. Um, and she actually told me that there was um, an opening for an AmeriCorps VISTA um, fellow. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what um, the AmeriCorps VISTA program was. But, you know, after she told me about it, um, I looked it up, I learned about it, and I ended up applying. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I applied to that role. Um, and then at the same time, I also applied to, um, I was also applying to other jobs and ultimately <laughs> to make a long story short, I ended up choosing, um, that position at first Alaskans Institute mm-hmm. and I never would have found it had I not asked, um, that person to grab lunch with me or, and mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, the process of researching all of the other organizations and, and, um, careers, people's careers before that was also really helpful. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great strategy. Um, especially now where you can, I think, find a lot of things online. Uh, yeah, that's how I find a lot of podcast guests just looking around online. Um, so (laughs) thank you for sharing. And could you talk a little bit about the work that you do and maybe what a possible typical day in the life might look like? So for me at First Laskins, I, um, I work in the realm of racial equity and governmental affairs a lot. Uh, the work that I do is very much um, focused on those areas and, and um, but looks, it can look different on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So um, we we are fortunate enough at First Laskins to be trusted to hold a lot of racial equity dialogues across our community. And before the pandemic, we traveled across the state of Alaska mm-hmm. to hold a lot of these racial equity dialogues in person. Of course, now that um, we're in the pandemic, we've shifted to hosting them virtually. So a big part of what I do is hosting those difficult conversations on racism Mm -hmm. uh, with all kinds of organizations. Sometimes it's a local assembly. Sometimes it's uh, a nonprofit. Sometimes it's a company. Sometimes it's in healthcare or education. It can just really vary a lot. Um, Sometimes it's conservation. So sometimes a typical day is waking up in the morning and um, hosting one of those conversations. Yeah. Um, And up, um, In another time of the year, if it's during the legislative session, uh, a typical part of my day is following the bills that have been announced uh, that week and tracking the bills that might in some way, either positively or negatively, impact 
Alaska Native people, mm-hmm. uh, peoples, our tribes, um, or our communities in some way. So that's some. Uh, that's a little bit about what I do. Um, mm-hmm. But there's always other things um, in the mi- in the mix. Um, right now, we're at a unique time where the redistricting process is happening across the country. Yeah. Uh, so I'm spending a lot of my time on that as well. Okay. And what do you hope to pursue in the future? Or do you see yourself staying at First Alaskans Institute? Maybe just future goals or future pursuits? I am not entirely sure what I want to be doing, say, 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do have some goals. And so, for example, um, I want to keep growing my understanding of um, governance and policy here in Alaska. I'm Mm -hmm. actually relatively new in this role in governmental affairs at First Alaskans. Before that, um, for my first couple of years, I was in a different role. And Mm -hmm. I didn't start this position until a month before the pandemic. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so it's, it's uh, relatively new to me. Yeah. So I'm still um, having a lot of fun learning about policy uh, in Alaska at all levels. So I would like to keep growing my skills and knowledge in this area. Um, and f- unfortunately, you know, as um, an indigenous woman and just a mixed race indigenous woman, I think other folks of color would identify with this as well. Um, you just, always have to be watchful about what is happening, what policies are, are being introduced um, that can impact your community. Uh, so so th- I do want to keep growing my knowledge in that. But I also have other goals and things that are just completely different. For example, mm-hmm. like um, uh, language revitalization is really important to me. Um, <clears throat> my my mother, for example, she speaks in Inupiaq. And um, I would really like to dedicate more of my time uh, to, to growing my own language skills in that area. Mm -hmm. And also, um, there's kind of a small collective of us, um, that are working to think on a large scale, what's needed to make sure that our, our, um, indigenous language is strong for the, Mm -hmm. you know, for the future, for our future generations. So that's another, um, important, uh, important goal of mine is to really make sure that I'm prioritizing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I think those are some big goals. Maybe one other final goal that I would say is just, um, is just growing my, my cultural knowledge, Mm -hmm. um, in, in terms of, um, things that are really important to my identity as an Inupiaq person, whether that be, um, harvesting and hunting practices, or um, tanning, tanning seal skin hide, or tanning mm-hmm. caribou hide, or whatever that may be. Those are some okay. other goals, uh, but they're not necessarily career oriented. Yeah, no. Thank you for sharing. Going back to your time at Pomona and deciding on your major, could you talk a little bit about maybe just PPA and who you think it might be right for? Because I know some people that are considering it, but I also know a lot of people that are not exactly sure what the major entails. Um, So maybe if you could just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I can talk about um, the way the major was when I was going to school at Pomona. I haven't kept track of it lately to see if any changes have been made to the structure of the major. So that's just my little disclaimer in case anything I say sounds a little bit (laughs) outdated, hopefully not. Um, But, you know, when I was in the PPA program, 
um, the way that it was structured and might still be structured is that you concentrate in a particular area. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and so, you know, a lot of your classes or the majority of your classes are in that concentration. For, so for me, my, my concentration was politics. Okay. Um, and then, you know, everyone takes, uh, uh the same, um, PPA related classes. You have to take intro to public policy analysis. You have to take public policy implementation. Um, and then, you know, you have to write your thesis. So there's some things like that, that are, across the board, the same for all PPA majors, but they are, um, there it's relatively few classes compared to the classes that you take within your concentration. So I think for me, I was expecting to come out of the major with a little bit more concrete public policy analysis skills than Mm -hmm. I think I actually came out of the degree with. And this is not, this is not meant to be a critique of my professors. (laughs) Yeah. I hope if they listen to this, that they don't feel bad. Um, It just has to do with the way that the major is structured. It's not, I I think I was kind of expecting it to be almost like a graduate level public policy um, program where you learn like um, a lot more, um, you spend a lot more time um, learning how to do public policy analysis over multiple courses and then implementation analysis over multiple courses. You, you um, go a lot further into the quantitative um, analysis aspects of it as well in a grad, in a typical grad program for public mm-hmm. policy. Um, so the, the major at Pomona is, is kind of just like a little taste of what that really is. Um, yeah. And I think, my expectations were that it was going to be, you know, this like full blown um, uh, program where, where I'd be spending a lot more time gaining some of those practical skills. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's just good for anybody to know who's considering the program, you know, like be, be clear about what it is that you want to get out of the program. What is it that you're yeah. wanting to learn? Because the actual um, public policy classes that everyone is required to take is going to be a lot fewer than what you have to take in your concentration. So because of that, I would say, be really thoughtful about what your concentration is. Yeah. Um, I, I stuck with politics because it was kind of the realm that I was familiar with and it made the Mm -hmm. most sense based on my interests. Um, But I don't really know what kinds of um, benefits or pros and cons would come with doing the, you know, a concentration in bio Um, or, you know, so it just really depends on like, what kind of policy are you interested in Mm -hmm. Um, and be thoughtful about that as well. But I do think like, it's a good uh, foundation for somebody who's interested in policy moving Mm -hmm. forward, but you'll probably still want to do a grad program in that area. If you decide you're really, really interested in policy and you want to be spending, um, you know, a majority of your career in that realm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I think that was really helpful. I think that we will start wrapping things up, but as a final question, I want to ask if you have any advice for current students. This could be related to your career, related to school, or really anything. Yeah. Um, I just pulled up a, a little thing that I wrote. Um, I, I think for me, looking back, I, um, I put so much pressure on myself to have it all figured out by the time that I graduated, um, that in a way I really didn't have to, 
I mean, mm-hmm. you definitely should make a plan, um, you know, at least for the first couple of months of what you're going to do after you graduate. Yeah. Um, pick something, but don't be surprised if what you realize you're interested in evolves or even completely shifts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had no idea that First Alaskans Institute existed as an organization until after I graduated. It mm-hmm. wasn't even on my radar um, when I was in college, you know, so you might discover um, an organization in that same way after the fact, and it might not have been in your plans, but then you end up working there and it's a great fit. Um, or, you know, I've had friends that, you know, they worked a couple of different jobs before they landed at a place that really felt right for them. Mm -hmm. So um, don't expect yourself to have it all figured out by the time you, you graduate Um, that I think that's a huge piece of advice. And especially, so I'm a, I'm a low income first generation college student. So I think part of that pressure that I felt was because of that, I felt like I had to make um, I felt like I had to, do right by my parents and all of the, all of the um, hard work that they put into making it possible for me to be at school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think my dad is probably <laughs> my, my dad, my, my parents are probably, you know, proud of um, where I'm at now. And, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think um, they would have wanted me to be, to feel so much pressure. When okay. I, did. So I would just say that. And um, I guess the only other thing that I would share with people is that I came into Pomona with this kind of toxic mindset. I didn't realize it at first that, but I had come into Pomona with this mindset that with an unconscious, unconscious stigma around asking for help. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, and so there were times when I really struggled in some of my classes and I had a really hard time um, figuring out how I could talk to my professors about it. Um, and I realized later it's because I came from a high school environment where people really bragged about, um, Mm. how much, how well, how, how great of a grade they would get with as little effort as possible. Um, and so if anybody listening resonates with that, if you feel like you came from a similar environment or you find yourself also struggling to ask for help, like, you, I really, really encourage you to, to think about that, to recognize that within yourself and to not let that be the thing that, um, hurts you during your college, your time in college, because Mm -hmm. there were times when, um, I was like struggling with a major project in class. Um, and you know, maybe my initial plan for the project fell through. And so then I had to figure out a new, a new thing to do. And I could have set myself up for success if I had had, uh, more proactive conversations with my professors, for example. Mm-hmm. But I never, re- you know, professors would say, "Go to office hours. Come, come talk to me." And I never really knew what would I do in the office hours. Mm-hmm. What would I yeah. say? <laughs> and I think it was that kind of like maybe it's because I didn't have parents that went to college, so I couldn't really talk with them about it. But there might be other students that are feeling this way as well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so I would just say. Um, don't suffer in silence if you're struggling um, because you feel like you might be seen as incompetent. If you ask questions, you should, you should ask, you should go talk to your professors, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you're kind of like, Hey, I'm not sure how to structure this assignment. I'm not sure how to write this essay. Um, Like I took a, when I took my very first politics class, I didn't know how to write for politics 
professor. You know, Mm -hmm. my training was in a completely different area in sociology. Um, So even, you know, talking to a professor and saying, hey, this is a new style of writing for me. Um, Do you have any advice for somebody who's starting this? You know, those are things that I didn't even think about um, at talking to professors um, about, and I really wish I would have. So hopefully somebody will hear this and it might save somebody else. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for that advice. And thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and, um, anybody who's listening, reach out anytime. I'm always happy to talk with, um, current students about anything. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, Casey, and thank you guys for listening, and take care.